Welcome back to Pin Pals, the podcast that interviews pin makers to better understand their journey through the pin game. I'm your host, Eric from Warrior Pins. Thanks for joining me. We have another great episode lined up today. We talk with, when we say we, I, I talk with Andrew from Birdbrain NYC. Uh, no surprise here, this was a good time. I really enjoyed talking with Andrew and learning about his unique background. Uh, he used to make shirts, done it for a couple years, and just having all that experience led to an easy transition to making pins. So it was really cool getting to learn that. We also talk about selling pins on Etsy and just Etsy in general at length. So if you're selling on Etsy or if you're on the fence about selling on Etsy, definitely whip out those notebooks and take some notes. We talk about his, uh, his design process. This is pretty funny. Uh, spoiler alert. Uh, you know what? You guys will find out. It's pretty funny, though. Before we get into that, I just want to thank my Buy Me A Coffee supporters, Pin My Ride and Pins by Charlie. Uh, not only are they monthly Pin Pal supporters, but they're also pin shops. So definitely check them out. They got some cool stuff. If you're catching this on YouTube, please make sure to like the video, leave a comment and subscribe. We're at 35 subscribers at the time of me recording this. I think 50 is an achievable number. Uh, I feel like there's got to be at least 25 of you, whether you're watching or listening, not subscribed. So it only takes a couple seconds. Uh, so why not? That would be pretty cool. Lastly, if you guys are in need of stickers, uh, check out my friends over at Sticker Ninja based in Portland, Oregon. Uh, they make some high quality slaps, <laughs> if I do say so myself. Uh, I use them for my monthly pin sticker club with Warrior Pins and I'm extremely pleased with the quality and the price. Um, I've been using them for the past couple years and I have nothing bad to say. They always give me what I want. I'm really pleased with that. They always throw in some extra stuff. Um, recently they threw in some samples of their holographic stickers and those are awesome. They make all sorts of cool die cut stickers. You can get glow in the dark stickers, transparent stickers. You can get the works done and you can get the works done and get 10% off. Yes, that is right. 10% off, not just your first order, but every order just by using the promo code WP10 during checkout. StickerNinja.com, WP10, as in Warrior Pins, gets you 10% off. Yeah, buddy. If you're unsure of the quality of these stickers, uh, just uh, sign up for the Warrior Pins Sticker Club where you get a rad sticker, brand new sticker, unreleased, uh, three bucks a month, mailed straight to you, usually an extra goodie or two in there. I'm having fun with this. I'm loving doing a sticker club. So, uh, you know, on the low, sign up for that. That's fun. Anyways, that's enough rambling. Enjoy my conversation with my pin pal, Bird Brains NYC, and stick around to the end for a special musical treat written and recorded by yours truly. Welcome to Pin Pals, Andrew. How's it going? Hey, guys. What's up? What is going on, Mr. Birdman? Or should I say Bird Brains? We got Andrew from Bird Brains NYC on the show. What's going on, man? Nothing much. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. Just hanging in, trying to live life one day at a time. How about yourself? The early bird does catch the worm. Remember that. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love it. All you guys watching on YouTube, you'll see that Andrew's got an awesome bird beak mask going on. I love it. Look at that. And now I'm getting rid of it because it's annoying. <laughs> What's going on, guys? How are you? Good, 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 good. Let's jump right into it. Why don't you tell me and the listeners who you are and give us the spiel on bird brains? Nobody wants to hear that crap. No, I'm kidding. But so started long ago, Mother Goose and Father Daddy Bird met in a quiet park, met on a branch, and boom, nine months later, I was born. But anyways, <laughs> fast forward a couple of years later, I've been doing design all my life. I've been an artist ever since I was young. I could pick up a pencil. I was always drawing, making logos for friends, all that. Went to school for it, branched out, started doing animation when I was young doing um stop mode stop motion so that was like my first big thing because i always wanted to work for disney and pixar so got to it fell in love with it started doing it in high school and then i realized that graphic design was like the art of it like designing logos typography all that and instantly my mind was just like made up i'm not doing animation anymore i want to pursue a career in graphic design mm. Long story short, went to school for that. Oh, been doing it ever since then, like professionally. And here we are now, 13, 14, too many years, way too many. <laughs> That's really cool. So I've been in the, in the designer world. I've been known for t-shirts. So I was always doing t-shirts ever since college. Like, uh, so shirt day sites, RIPT, T-Villain, Shirt Punch. Quirty, you name it, I was on all of them. What were you, what kind of shirts were you making? So parody shirts. So literally. Oh, nice. Okay. I love mashups, but I also love nostalgia. Mm -hmm. So if I can ever get to marry the two together, it's like a dream come true for me. So like, if you see a lot of my stuff, you'll see first gen Pokemon or Sonic, or I'm looking at my pin board right now shit you name it so like a couple new pins that i'm coming out with i have like sword in the stone meets sora mashup i might show it off soon okay uh get some exclusives got, yeah i got some exclusives coming out definitely <laughs> the tons that's that's pretty interesting but that's really cool because it seems like eventually it just naturally led its way into you making pins yeah so the way it happened was i was in college my friend had a Mortal Kombat Mario shirt. It was a mashup, and it's by Hairbrain. And to this day, I have followed him ever since. But So I saw his shirt, and I was like, where'd you get it? He goes, this site called QWERTY. And I was like, I've never heard of this site. He's like, yeah, they do shirts. They're only listed for a day, and then they're gone for, forever. Forever. Right. <laughs> so I was like, this is pretty cool. I would do they like accept new artists in that? And he's like, yeah, you submit to it. And I was like, oh, cool. And so he was in the design program with me. So me and him actually started a business doing shirt designs. And it came to it that let, let's say I was more talented than he was. Sure. Well, well we can go with that. Sure, sure. <laughs> and so I started branching out on my own, but I was under the, the name AP Designs. So it was my name and my friend's name was the AP and there was designs. So that's who I was previously. And then once I started to take off, starting to build the, you know, the name, I was like, I got to brand this 
as myself. And that's where bird brains came in. And we mm. can go into the origin story of that. Yeah, I would love to. <laughs> Don't worry. That's that's a story in itself. <laughs> but uh, be, between doing that is like I met a lot of artists. And one in particular was uh, Alexis, Alex Rivera, Playful Gorilla, who was like, get into the pin game. We, you know, I was like, oh my God, this is great. One of my, one of these guys that I've been looking up to for years, I was like, would you ever like collab on a pin design? I have tons of ideas. So he brought me in and the rest is history. So I've been doing pins ever since. And that's like, say four or five years. Okay. Wow. So you're kind of, I don't know if four or five years is the appropriate amount of time to be called like an OG or how you can define an OG. I would, I would say I'm an OG t-shirt designer. OG t-shirt designer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That whole wave of like customized shirts was like in 2008, 2009. That's where it started mm-hmm. booming. I was part of like the beginning group of that. Nice. So I guess I'm an OG in that regard, but in the pin game, I'm still a newbie. Okay. Interesting. Because I, I always think that people who started out in like 20, 2015, 2016, like before the algorithm really shifted and changed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you were doing great and you were there before the storm happened and, and stuff like that. So it was a lot easier to kind of grow your business and get your name out there. Unfortunately, I did it too late, though. So like I'm starting to build it up in the past couple of years. I've been trying to build it up. But before that, I ignored it a lot. So it started with uh, you making a uh, collabing with this artist. Um, eventually, you just kind of wanted to get your own ideas out there, and you started making your own types of pins. Uh, for pins, yeah. So me and Playful Gorilla did the first set we ever did was the Not So Shy Guy. It's literally the Shy Guy from Mario, but with the Jason Mask style and Jason Sword, and it was a pretty cool mashup. And it was an idea I had for like seven years that I had on a T-shirt. Mm-hmm. And he took it, threw his own spin on it, and then, boom, that was it. I was hooked on that. And then we did a couple more collabs, and then I wanted to do my own designs, too. And so I started just producing on my own. So uh, you just mentioned something I think is pretty interesting. Did you go through any of your old designs and, like, sort them through best-selling and then start with those for pins? Yes and no. So I, as soon as I started, like, I got these ideas, I started banging out all these new ideas. And the new, the first new idea was, it was a Pokemon SpongeBob collab. So it was Pokebob, SpongeBob as Psyduck, Patrick Staryu as Staryu, Gary as Ammonite, Sandy as Bidoof, Squidward as Awkward, and Krabby, of course, as Krabby Patty. Oh, nice. And so that was the starting point of when I wanted to start creating my own. And then once I was fresh out of new ideas, I was like, let me go through all my old stuff that sold very well. And now I'm starting to incorporate a lot of that too with new stuff, of course. Nice. How often are you designing like new pin ideas? So my mind never shuts off. (laughs) So I literally have maybe 80 to 90 designs on the back burner. Oh, wow. That are various stages of like either concept or like somewhat sketched out, but nothing close yet. But I have like 15 new designs that I just, between last month into this month, I think I have 15 designs that are coming into production. Oh, interesting. Give our audience a sense of how big your shop is in terms of how many pins you have available, or, or maybe how many pins you've made so far. Okay, so I can tell you now, because I'm staring at my pin board, I have 
51. 51. Okay. 51 different pins that are active right now. Mm. But I have eight that are coming in new. I just got an order in two weeks ago that was six of them. So I have 14 pins in new. Altogether, I think I have 80 designs total. Okay. That are some are sold out that aren't coming back. That's interesting. Do you think because of your history with selling t-shirts and working on all these different platforms, you were able to like strategically, logistically plan for buying pins and selling pins? Because it sounds like you're kind of ahead of the curve, you know, like, I don't know, maybe these are pins that are going to be released next month or scheduled to be released in two months, or maybe these are like the Christmas pins. It, it sounds like you're on top of your shit, <laughs> for lack of better words, because you're so far in advance, or is that just kind of just how it happens is how you work? So I appreciate the compliment. I'm <laughs> scatterbrained when it comes to like what designs come out. Like I can have a design and I'll sit on it for maybe a month because I'm just not happy with it. Mm-hmm. And then other times I can bang out a design and then send it into production. And then obviously like I try to bring in new releases for any shows that I'm doing. So like if I know I'm going to be at a show in say uh, August, I'll make sure I have all these designs in mm-hmm. and that I have them in hand by the end of July, the latest. Okay. So it, it works out, but don't don't give me any credit. It's literally a fluke half of the time. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, Good for you. <laughs> hey, I'll take the compliment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. How did you come up with the name? So, like I told you before, I was under AP Designs. We did that for a while. Started getting the name out there. People started associating me in the t-shirt game as AP Designs. And then a couple of my friends, they were like, what does it mean? So I had to think of it off the top of my head because my friend wasn't in the picture anymore. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh, it stands for anything is possible with designs. Because I can think of stuff really quick, but without thinking. And I'm like, oh, that sounds good. I'll, it'll stick. But then I was like, it doesn't define me at all. Okay. So my last name is a bird and I'm also very tall. So when I was younger, I was called big bird a lot. And so <laughs> I was like, we gotta, I gotta do something with a bird, you know, try to build off that brand. And everyone thinks that because I'm always hyper and I always, I'm very energetic. They're always like, you're really nuts half the time. And so I shit you not. The reason why I came up with Bird Brains was I was listening to Big Sean. And you know the song, I Don't Fuck With You? Yeah. <laughs> so he name drops Bird Brains in it. And I was I was listening to it and I was like, it's a fucking good name. So I started thinking of like designs. I was like, let me draw a brain in the sh- like a bird in the shape of a brain. And then rest is history. Bam. How about that? So shout out to Big Sean. Thank you. Shout out to Big Sean. Yeah, you know, he's really looking forward to that shout out. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's work. it works because I'm a big fan of puns. Mm-hmm. And so the bird is sarcastic as hell. Yes. He's like, I can emit all my energy to him and he can get in trouble, not me. Because he's the one mouthing off. I love it. How would you describe your art style? I don't have a particular style. It's more the thought process of the design. I take like a really extreme approach to branding. Like, so with a pin, I automatically make sure there's a custom backer mm-hmm. and that it fits the theme perfectly. And also just the look of it itself. Like you can tell sort of it's mine, but you wouldn't, like if you're looking at it and you didn't know me, you would never know. Got it. So I kind of like it and I don't like it. 
mm-hmm. because then it gives me the opportunity that I can branch out into any any style I want and I could do literally whatever I want and then it's not like I'm taken away from the design it's more I'm accenting it yes uh, I, I totally understand where you're coming from because you work with a couple different shows and characters and stuff like that and you know they all have like their own unique styles you're kind of catering to that we'll just kind of figuring yeah. out what fits and stuff like that and also i like to create stuff that's that i like i'm not in it for a buck like that's big it's weird because like a lot of stuff that comes out like brand new i'll never touch and i'll wait until it sits like a couple of years and then i'll do something unless it's something i like like with the my hero academia literally this design it was i was watching it and i was like this kid looks like the vault boy from fallout i have to do it and so i looked online <laughs> And there was a real shitty drawing. And I was like, I can make this 10 times better. But I did my own. That's one of the few that I'll ever do, like, in the moment designs. How fast do you think you can whip up a design like that? When, once you think of it and, like, you can see it in your head. Do I get to clear my schedule for the rest of the day? Yes. If I can do it, I can literally knock that design out maybe three hours. Okay. It's good when I zone out. I'll zone out and I just stay focused on the design. And I can just do it. And then what I'll do is I'll do a preliminary, lay down all the line work, figure out the colors I want. And then I'll take an hour break, like just to sit away from it. Kind of reset. Yeah. And then I come back and I'll finish it and then done. Okay. I like that. What, what tools are you using? Illustrator and photo. Well, I draw everything in Illustrator. Photoshop, if I have to like manipulate anything, but for the most part, it's Illustrator. With like a, a tablet? Nope. Oh, and I'm old school, man. So I don't even use a mouse. I have the mouse built into the laptop. Oh, the trackpad. Yep. Trackpad OG. Okay. Do you have any tips for anyone with also that setup, AKA me? Let it happen. Like a lot of times it's like, I'll draw something and it was a mistake because I'm using a trackpad. So you can't like get a full whip mm-hmm. of a line. And sometimes it works out for the best. So it's not me controlling. It's like a happy accident. You know, Bob Ross. Okay. And I've I've left it and I've done it before. Okay. That's cool. Wait, there's another one of us out here. We can start a little support team, support group. <laughs> Everyone's like, you design on a Wacom? And I'm like, huh? <laughs> Tablet. I'm like, no. They're like, you draw on an iPad? I was like, no. On a computer? Yeah. So you use a mouse? I was like, I use the one that's on the laptop. And they're like, what? What? Well, I mean, your work looks incredible. Everything's clean. And, and, you know, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm just trying to say that your stuff looks nice. And this is this is a pleasant surprise, I guess. Well, so, yeah, no. Well, it comes out shaky, of course, when you're doing that. And then what I'll do is I'll recline the line and I'll tweak your pen tool. Like, I'll, you'll see it. Like, I do a lot of with the, the corners, like the bounding box, all that. Mm-hmm. Just try to manipulate it to the way I want if I can't get it without a, you know, a clean line. Yeah. I would say a lot of presets, like brush presets, are very handy. Mm-hmm. So one in particular is I like to use an illustrator. They have for the brush preset, it's calligraphy. And it's okay. a calligraphy pen. And so it gives you a little bit of a whip, even with a short, and then you manipulate it right afterwards. Okay. I'll give you a little tip there. Yeah, man. Maybe we'll we'll start a a, a new like mini series on the podcast together. You can give lessons out on Illustrator. <laughs> that would be fun. 
halfway through it, they'll tell me to shut up and just keep drawing. Just <laughs> hey, man, even a time lapse video. I mean, that those those are always pretty cool. Yeah, I wish I did them. <laughs> Imagine. There you go. Maybe. What's your process like for for making pins? Once you have the idea, you draw it. Kind of walk me through your process. So as soon as I have the idea, immediately go to Google. Immediately go to any designer style. So like I'm always looking on Google what's selling, what's trending, like what's out there in the world. But I always check no matter what. It's always Google. Mm-hmm. And I'll go through at least 20 pages just to make sure no one's had that idea. And then once I'm comfortable that I know that no one's done it, then I start getting references, seeing what approach I want to take. And then I just dive right in. And diving right in, does that, are you contacting, you know, these references, are you contacting pin manufacturers directly or are you going through companies that maybe offer a service, kind of like a middleman type deal? Oh, in terms of pins? No, I had, I work with, I had a good relationship with my previous pin uh, manufacturer and then we were having a bunch of issues and then literally we stumbled me and another artist stumbled on this new manufacturer that I have and I've been working with him for like four years and it's just been uh awesome results so I stick with him okay nice because he's pretty much the only one I use okay what's what are some things that you look for when searching for a new manufacturer Literally, LinkedIn is your best friend. LinkedIn? Uh, yeah. So, okay. So, and you can put it as anything. Put yourself as self employed as like one of your jobs and just say you did pin designs. You'll have at least 10 people hitting you up saying, I make pin designs. But the thing is, you got all these people, but you've never taught in, you haven't had a trial run with them or a test run with them. So, you don't mm-hmm. know what their product is, even if they show you pictures. Yeah. But it's more just building a trust. Yeah, if I'm comfortable with someone, I stick with them like through and through. Yeah, for sure. I'm actually in the middle of working with a new manufacturer. And what I just recently learned is manufacturers are able to make backing cards and put the pins on them and then put them in baggies and then ship them to you. (laughs) So that's my secret is that I started showing people that they could do that. And they were like, are you joking? I was like, no, man, I'm lazy as hell. I don't want to be sitting here for three hours of my time that I don't have to put pins on backers mm-hmm. and then bag them and then sort them. Mm-hmm. So I have it all taken care of. Of course, you do pay a little bit extra, but yeah, the time saved, well worth it. It is so worth it. I had to uh, employ my partner, my girlfriend, over uh, Black Friday weekend to just help fill all the orders. And then uh, someone on the podcast, I can't remember who, mentioned that mine was blown they actually came in today so i was like wow this is awesome it's done so you mean you have something to debut oh yes i'm not sure when this will episode will air but i'm i believe the pin will be out by then so how about i trade you debut for debut so two pins that actually came in last week one of them is one i Kind of filled the beans a pound. And it was the Sword in the Stone and Sora mashup. So I had that one. And then I'm going to show you another pin that I did. And there's a reason why. It's a it's a little fun Easter egg thing that I do for the pin. Ooh. But the, the Sora one. 
Nice. Oh, is that a little uh, sparkle action happening? Yeah, so I know my camera is not that great, but if you can tell, the keyblade and the chest itself mm-hmm. are glitter. Oh, I love that. So you can kind of see it in the light. Yeah, yeah. That looks cool. By the time this you know airs, you'll be able to see the, the picture in its glorious detail on my uh, Etsy. I love it. All right, now you. Okay. Uh, I also got two in the mail today. Both from the new manufacturer, so this isn't, you know, trying to promote them or anything like that. But this first one is a big one. I believe it is three inches wide. You know I'm a turtle guy, so. We have this turtle trike, Leonardo on the turtle trike. America. (laughs) Yeah, pretty cool, giant, I don't know, this is what they do, right? They put their hand behind products. Yeah, it's so that it's so that it zooms in and it focuses on the pin itself. Yeah, it's kind of hard when you got that microphone right in your face. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's pretty cool. I'm excited. Um, the last couple pins that we've been releasing have been bigger pins. Um, what I'm noticing, it just as like a general trend, is that pins are getting bigger, and like I'm just seeing a lot more people release bigger pins. And it allows for a lot like more details on the pins, which is really cool. And especially if it's soft enamel, I think you get a lot more action happening. Funny you say that is that like I've noticed that a lot of pin makers are making gigantic pins like three inch and bigger. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, I don't, I don't know if the demand is there. Like I, I think it's like, I think they're huge. Like it doesn't make sense for me. So I made a. Are you a Game of Thrones fan? Uh, I'm not the biggest fan, but I know I kind of know of the series. So you do you know what the Hand of the King is? I, I guess I don't know the series. <laughs> so it's like the so you have the king, right? And then you have his like first in command, his like right hand man. Yeah. So the badge that they wear is called Hand of the King, and it's literally okay. a, a hand holding a knife with a circle around it. I was like, if I ever do a big pin, I want to do Hand of the King, but as a keyblade. Uh, a playful gorilla did a design he did hand of the king but he did a mickey hand with the sword and i was like you missed an opportunity good we're going to collab we're going to do this and it's going to be the mickey hand with a keyblade okay so we did that i i can't get it off my board right now but it's in my shop if you ever want to see it we still have a couple left but that's a three inch pin and i was like i'm hesitant i don't know if we should do three inch. he goes no man we got to do it if you're going to do it you got to make it the size of the actual pin in the show Long story short, we do it. Everyone loves it. I was like, what? This is crazy. Nice. So I think I might do a larger pin, but it has to be the right pin. Yeah. I do. For me, I feel like I have to be really selective with the designs. You know, if I'm going to go that big, I want to do something that's got, like, the details and that would really... To show it off. For that size. Yeah, absolutely. Because the, uh, the cost is crazy. And, you know, it, it's obviously a lot more, uh, you can fit a lot more colors and stuff like that. But then you start adding like premium effects and stuff like that. Like whether you do glitter, glow in the dark, it could be dyed. Well, actually, I think dyed might be a little bit cheaper. You get all the different access to the different, uh, what would you say? Extras. Extras, yeah. Adventure Society mentioned, they'll call them like premium features. So I've just been rocking with that. And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, it is a premium. Um, even like the pearlescent is a nice finish that I'm trying to figure out how to work into one of my pins. So I was trying to do it on the the fallout design that I have, 
and I was trying to add Pearl to it. And, but the cost was like way too high. And I was just like, yeah, not yet. I'll save it and I'll try to figure out when I can use it. Yeah. Nice. So I have one more pin. Yeah. Okay. I was just going to say. Yeah. And the reason why, so I just came out with it. So I'm from New York. Obviously we know one of the biggest teams in New York is the New York Knicks. And this is an old design that I had. And I was like, every single time I see the Knicks logo, I was like, yo, I could fit a Pokeball in this in the design. And so when I was back in the t-shirt game, I did the New York Cantos. And it's literally, <laughs> literally this. Yo, I love that. So what it is, is you see the colorway. It's red. It's the colors of Pokemon. Yeah. So what I do with my pins is like, I like an added feature and something that, set, that sets me off from like everyone else. So what I started doing originally was doing chase pins, similar to like Funko. Chase pins. Okay. So you know how Funko has chase variant pops? Yes. So I do the same thing. Okay. So it's basically you get a one in six shot of getting the, the special variant. And so I do this for pretty much every single one of my pins. And of course, so if you, you could think, what would be another colorway that you would do this as? The New York Knicks colors. Yes. So. Ooh, that is tight. So what I do is it's a one in six shot, very random. I throw them. They're all packaged up. I don't look. If you purchase it in, in a convention or online, I literally look through it and you get that in a special variant sticker that goes with it. That's really cool. It, it gives the, the buyers like a little bit of a gamble. So they're like, oh, which one am I going to get? And it, it just, I, I feel like it's an extra, like another thing that I can put into it, like a special touch definitely i think what's really big in terms of giving it like a special touch or just really playing into the the limited factor and like the special limited edition drops especially when you're doing variants and stuff like that so like when i bring them in it's usually like 50 or 100 at a time so one in five one in six shot you're getting at most 10 to 20 Mm -hmm. so they're not out there in the world like if the pin is an open edition i'll do it like i'll rerun it but the the ratio still stays the same. So you're still getting the limited aspect of it. Mm-hmm. But most of them are like one off. So like once I'm done making them, I don't make them again. So it gives you a little, like an added bonus. If you say like, they'll be like, Oh, I got something that's not going to be reproduced. And you don't need to worry about the artist, you know, trying to make a buck off of it. So it's cool in that aspect. Definitely. That's really cool. All right. So before we move on to marketing, do you have any final parting words, perhaps some advice or tips for those looking to get into the pin game. Do what you like. Like don't make shit because you know, it's going to sell. Don't feed the hype. Don't go into like, Oh, you want to do a Marvel because you know, everyone loves Marvel. Do stuff that you like because when customers see that you love your product, they gravitate more towards it. And it's just more of a bond. I did like a minion design because I love minions. So I did them in a cart and I did minion cart and it's literally like probably one of my favorite designs. And people were like, why'd you make it? And I was like, uh, I just love the design. I'm not in it to make a buck. I'm in it to just create. And people were like, oh, it's actually really cool. And they'll buy it. So it's just like, I feel like that's it. Be genuine. Don't, don't feed the hype. Just go for stuff that you like. If you like stuff that, you know, sells really well, good. If it doesn't, you know, don't beat yourself up on it. Just create stuff that you like or just create more stuff. Mm, I love it. I feel like a wise owl. You 
Those are words of wisdom, my friend, for sure. Definitely going to make that into a, a clip <laughs> for this episode. <laughs> going to add like really spiritual music and like a good vignette. <laughs> I want like everything. And then right afterwards, it's a picture of me with the beak on. <laughs> <laughs> Look to your left and let me get like a left profile shot of you. This way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we'll slow it down. Slowly look at the camera. There we go. <laughs> so tell me, Andrew, how do you get the word out about bird brains? How are you telling people? You squawk a lot. You swat? You squawk, you know, like a bird. <laughs> Woo, over my head, squawk, yes. One. You take a shit on their car. They're like, hey, why'd you do that? And be like, oh, this is really awkward. But here, here's my score. <laughs> There's your business card. A little sticky note. <laughs> a little sticky something. Blasted everywhere, man. Like my you can look at my page. I have like I don't have a big following. I have like a thousand, I think thirteen hundred followers. Trying to get it up there, trying to boost it up there, you know, with all the other big names that I know who's got the tens of thousands. But just keep just guerrilla marketing, man. You gotta just push, 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 go to shows, conventions, yeah, get the name out there. Going to shows is a big one. Oh, yeah, definitely. I've been working at shows for seven years. Started doing shows three years ago. Okay. That's what it is. And then, of course, we had this wonderful thing last year called a pandemic, if you will, that shut everything down. So I shifted real quickly from shows to online and started just boosting online, just trying to get the word out in Facebook groups, Instagram just connecting with a lot of other artists and just word of mouth pretty much and just doing like virtual shows. So virtual shows were helpful to build an audience. And then now we can finally go back to shows. So we're going to start doing that again. Yeah, that's cool. What kind of, um, what are you doing on Facebook? On like what Facebook groups do you have like your own little private group of like your own audience or? Oh, no, I have no, like I don't bother with Facebook because it's, it's a fossil at this point. It's mostly <laughs> you just got to boost on Instagram, but I go on Facebook for, uh, so they have like pin groups. Mm-hmm. So there's like pin nation, there's DBZ pin nation, uh, Pokemon, like all the, the genres that I have. And I'll just go in there and I'll be like, Hey, listen, you know, I have the shop, check it out. If the, the moderators are cool, I usually send them a pin just so I can spam on their pages. And they're like, that's really appreciative. You didn't need to do that. And I was like, yeah, what the hell man reach, you know, help each other out <laughs> and i've been doing it for the past year pretty much okay do you have any other social media strategies that you kind of use is it all just kind of uh, i kind of feel like posting this today it's pretty much that so <laughs> i should have jumped on instagram way back in the day like when i was starting to be like in the height of all the designing mm-hmm. but i just never did it i was never like I was just like, oh, Instagram's stupid. What's the point of it? And then I got bullied into having an Instagram. And then I don't regret having it, but like that's how it started. Yeah. I was just nonstop on there now. So now I just post because I get a lot more traction in stories. So I'll post like, you know, whatever's funny in the day. And then I'll post like something about my stuff Mm -hmm. that is not like being bombarded with just my product. It's just like, you know, me being cool, but it's just a business page. Yeah, that's that's important for your page, I think, to have personality. 
and not always sell, 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 because that's a, it's kind of a turnoff. Yeah, everyone everyone realizes that I'm like a sarcastic asshole, but pretty funny. <laughs> it goes hand in hand with the, the brand, so I, I guess I'm doing a good job. Yeah. I mean, and you say that you don't have a lot. You have over a thousand followers. Some people have uh, hundreds of thousands of followers, but like their engagement isn't there. It's garbage. It's like point zero zero zero. Like you have engagement. You have audience. You know, I was scrolling through your page. Like, so it sounds like you have a quality thousand plus followers, and I'd rather have that and be proud of that. Than to have like some kind of big number because like a thousand people. Psh. It took a while. Like I I plateaued at like four hundred in the beginning of this whole thing, and I was just like, I don't know what to do. All this, and then it was pretty funny. I made like I found this meme, and I put it on my page, and it went viral. And I don't know why. It was a Pokemon like uh, proposal, and it was a Will you marry me in a Master Ball, like a a pin a ring. And I was like, oh, this is cool. And I just posted it. I was like, yeah, for my future wife, you know, where are you at? And this thing got like 10,000 likes. And I was like, what the fuck? I only get like maybe 20 likes ever on any post. And so that jumped up my following. And then I was like, this is pretty cool. Let me try to get the interaction. And then it plateaued again because, you know, the big brother up there likes to want to monetize everything. So unfortunately for engagement, it's that, but I would say I get out of like thirteen hundred followers, I get ten to fifteen percent like reaction rate. So I guess I'm, I think I'm doing good, as opposed to like I, so I talk to like a bunch of my friends who have like like twenty thousand followers, fifty thousand, a hundred, a uh, hundred thousand followers, and they're like, yeah, my the algorithm is just fucking with them because they don't pay, and I'm like, yeah, it's weird. It's trying to stay ahead of it. And just trying to brace yourself for like not getting the amount of people that you can reach out to. Yeah, it's always just trying to like stay in the know of what the best practices are. And I think right now we're in a a, a real world. <laughs> if you're not making reels, like it's it's fascinating for me because it's like still trying to figure it out. And, and I see my engagement like drop every single day, um, no matter what I'm doing, if it's a best practice, but I'm seeing a little success on reels, like every two reels, one will hit like a thousand views or something like that in a short amount of time. And then the next one will have like 54 views. Yeah. It's really weird, but it's a matter of just trying to uh, keep grinding that wheel. Yeah. But that, see, that goes back to like the whole thing. I don't do anything like, if everyone's doing it, I'm not doing it. Like, I don't have a TikTok. I don't give a shit. Like, uh, but I have the personality for a TikTok. Yeah. And, like, I can just be a goofball. I'm just like, I don't want to do it. It's a lot of work. Being a, a, when you're a pin maker, you're also a content creator. Like, otherwise, how else are you going to get the word out about your pins or, or sell them and stuff like that? I started doing TikTok. And it still feels weird to say that and to have those words come out of my mouth. But... It's pretty cool, and it's, you know, in terms of staying on, like, emerging platforms, I think there's still actually a better organic reach on there versus Instagram. Yeah, um, so they start monetizing it, and it gets, well, it's through the roof now in terms of popularity, but, like, yeah, you'll see it start to crack down, and then it's just going to... 100%, and then I don't know where we're going next with the, like, I'm on Clubhouse, I'm having a lot of fun on Clubhouse. I've heard of it, I don't know what it is, to be honest. It's just think of it, the audio chat rooms, 
based on a singular topic. Um, sometimes pretty like, and within that clubhouse, you can have multiple like meetings for different topics. So I was thinking about starting a an enamel pin club where I don't know every week we can just have like a live Q and A with some people or do like a an FAQ type of deal. It's pretty cool and it's getting popular. You know, they decided to do the the invite only to kind of boost up hype and stuff like that. If anyone's listening, I have plenty of invites because I really don't have that many friends. So what you're trying to say is this is how you bully me into getting a clubhouse. (laughs) I'm just saying I have an invite, but it's pretty cool. And I've actually dropped in on a bunch of podcast rooms. And these are just people who have run successful podcasts. And they're just, it's a a live Q&A sesh. You can literally hit a button, you raise your hand, and then you can ask them your question. And it's real time. It's like you're on the phone with them. And, you know, I'm asking them all these, like, I got this Pin Pals podcast, and and I don't know if I should do this. And they're giving me, like, live feedback. It's like on-demand feedback. That's actually pretty cool. I, I think it's awesome, only because I found a way to really value it. Uh, or take have a value from it, you know. I think that's like really important. That's smart. Um, so trying to figure out how to make use of it in pin form. Get a clubhouse. <laughs> Get an make much dollars. Yes, yes. <laughs> what platform are you selling your pins on? So I'm on uh, Etsy. Okay, why on Etsy? So when I was doing T-shirt designs, I. This was when they first started this company called Needle Shop. It's a small company out in uh, Oregon. The guy's name is Alex. Great guy. Very, very helpful, very informative. So anyone that is learning, well, wants to make t-shirts, I highly recommend him. He does uh, DTG. So it's direct-to-garment printing instead of screen printing. So you can use unlimited amount of colors. You can do uh, gradients, shadowing, all that. And it comes out phenomenal. And so obviously he's trying to boost his company and I've been with him ever since the beginning. Like I was one of his first uh, designers to come in and sell art on there. And so he's like, you should really get an Etsy. And I'm like, man, I don't think so. I feel like it's too much work. I don't know all this. And he goes, all right, I'm going to make you an Etsy. I'm going to put a couple of your t-shirts on there and then you have to do the rest. I'm like, fine, whatever. That's a fair (laughs) trade-off. And so he's like, I built it all out for you. And I was like, what he's like yeah have the whole platform everything set up all you need to do is just add your artwork whenever you want and it's linked up he does drop ship also so it's literally all i do is i send the info from etsy throw it right into nito and then boom he takes care of the rest okay and so i was like okay cool so this is when jersey shore was like the big you know it was coming back everyone was like all gtl baby yeah so i made an ugly sweater design because i was doing ugly sweaters you know, it would be funny if I did a Pauly D one and everyone's like, yo, you're an idiot. Don't do this shit. You're <laughs> stupid. You might sell one. I was like, all right, cool, whatever. So I put it on there and Etsy went ballistic. I was getting 20 orders a day from this thing. Whoa. First year. I was like, what the fuck? And this was constant. I was like, wait, I can make money off this shit. And so the guy, Alex, he goes, huh, aren't you glad I set that up for you? I was like, you, sir. Bravo. <laughs> And so I've been selling on there ever since. Etsy's still like sort of organic in the sense that if you bring sales in, they're going to start pushing you towards the front. And so anytime you bring in a new item on your store, it'll get a burst or it'll make your store relevant. 
So there's like algorithms that you can choose around it. So like you don't upload everything in one day. You space it out so that your page stays organically in their system. How about that? I didn't know that. Yep. So yeah, never post everything in one shot. Always spread it out every like day or two. And usually the most traffic is if you're selling and you want to put stuff out there, I highly recommend putting it on Monday. And then you space out Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So that way your traction stays through the weekend. And then you repeat the process if you have, you know, inventory, obviously. Ooh, interesting. I didn't, had no idea. I've never thought to think of like an Etsy release schedule. If you had the product then you'd be like, yeah, I got my stuff and cool. And you're sitting on it and you're like, oh, I got to really post this, you know, in like a week so that I get the engagement. You could do it as soon as you get it in. Or what I do is I build the back end first. So I'll put the listing in and I'll keep it deactivated. And then when I want to activate it, I'll just put it like I'll go on Instagram. I'll be like, oh, the pin is going to release in whenever. And then as soon as that hits, I just hit activate and it's up and ready. Okay. I want to sidetrack real quick. Talk to me about this release strategy. I'm all about strategy. So you just said you pop on the Instagram and maybe say, hey, we got this pin dropping in the next one, two days. Is there a certain amount of time that you wait before actually releasing the pin? And do you do any social media stuff the day it gets released? Like I'll tease it. I'll show like a corner of the backer or I'll show the backer of the card or something just build the hype and be like, oh, guess what I'm working on? And then don't touch it. Don't say anything about it. And then what I'll do is I'll take like a silhouette of the picture of the pin and just black it out. So you can't really see much. You just see the outline of it. And I'll be like, what do you think this is? And then instill in the day, if I'm building the traction, I'll put like the countdown, the add-on. Yeah, on, on stories. Yeah. So you go into the stories, you you type it, you put the countdown, you set it for whatever day it is. And you're just like, here, whatever. And then people can bookmark it so that mm-hmm. they know because Instagram will tell them, oh, the countdown's over, go get whatever it is. And then I'll hit activate on Etsy from the app and then it'll be live. So it's not really a strategy. It's just more like, it seems better for me to do it that way because I can't tell when my schedule is going to flip. Okay. But rather, <laughs> and I don't know when the pins are coming in half the time. So it's just like, I'll build everything back in once I get it in. And I'm like, all right, cool. I can just sit and relax. Okay. Go right into it. Okay. I feel like that's always a topic of discussion with pin makers. When should I release it? How long before releasing it should I tease pictures and things like that? I, I think it's like an ever evolving strategy. Yeah, you you pick and choose. So it's not like so like say I'm designing, literally just drawing it. I'll show like a part of it and I'll be like, Oh, you know, new work coming in. Like if when I know my manufacturer is shipping it out, I have like production pictures. So I'll do the either the production picture of the backer. Or I'll show the file of the backer just to keep the engagement in. It's not like, I would say keep the engagement within a week. Because at that time, anything longer, you lose interest. Yeah. Or you have something else. It just like, it takes away. So you want to keep the interaction to like the most. And so I'd say a week. Okay, cool. Going back to Etsy, Mm -hmm. what are some tips or maybe some best practices you found when when listing pins, you know, maybe as granular as using certain metadata or like using certain words in the title. Cause I know, you know, Etsy is also an SEO play. So all that stuff matters. I mean, this is the place, this is like an incredibly large search engine. 
Um, it's like up there with like Google and YouTube in terms of when people want to find something specific, Etsy is usually one of the best places for them to go. So it's really easy to have your stuff. Well, I guess relatively easy to like visible, visible to have your stuff out there. But, you know, how do you kind of climb the ranks and try to appear within the first page? Don't use generic tags. Like you can use them, but don't use them as your primary tag. So let's say, let's say we take Pokemon. Okay. You can hit Pokemon and that's going to flood your page. So like people look up Pokemon pins, you're going to get like 5,000 and your, your pin might be at like 306, which doesn't help. You want to be relevant on the first page. So like what I did was when I had the Jersey Shore, the Pauly D ugly sweater, literally typed in Pauly D ugly sweater. Jersey Shore ugly sweater. And I knew that because Jersey Shore had no apparel. And I knew that if I put that there, it's going to work. And to this day, I still have, if you type in Google and you type in Jersey Shore ugly sweater, I'm still number one. <laughs> hey, how about that? Because the traction that it built, I guess Etsy flagged it as something like, hey, we need to promote this shit. And it stays on Google which is pretty cool. I, it might get knocked yeah. down probably like two or three now, but like when it's like Christmas time, like I would say right before Halloween, you see it there and I don't do anything. You're still getting orders for that. Yeah. I get orders just for it sitting on Google. <laughs> and then I started seeing a lot of people use my tags mm-hmm. and so you'll see them, but they're all behind me now. So I'm like, <laughs> I got to it. Nice. It's cool. But like always be very specific with your tags. Like I used to do with uh, shirts, I would put all the keywords in the title itself. It's kind of stupid to do that because it doesn't look like there's no thought in it. It's just like, oh, you're just blasting it on the title. So I'd make the title whatever the name I name the pin, mm-hmm. and then I go after their tags and the SEOs. Okay. So I feel like that's a smart strategy to do. Definitely. Do you do any ads on Etsy? Nope. All organic. They're all efforts. organic. If I see the worth, I'll do it. But I don't mm-hmm. see the worth. I just see everyone has a money grab doing it. It's like Instagram. You could pay for an ad, you'll get five thousand clicks. Cool. But there's no there's no traction. There's like no one buying it. So it's just like, what's it worth? I'd rather just do it organically. If it takes me longer to build, it's fine with me. Yeah. It can be tough. I mean, if if you're doing Pokemon pins, I mean, and you're just relying on Pokemon pins just that that tag. I mean, maybe you should look into getting Etsy ads because I'm sure it, that's going to be like... Something like that. You do. Yeah, exactly. But no, so like I had... So for the SpongeBob, I did SpongeBob, all that, and I tagged all the characters. I typed in like like stupid like generic names, like funny pins. Because some some guy is going to be drunk and be like, oh, what's all this funny? Facts. They see it. Like I've had people come up to me, they're like, yo, down your, your shop. I was like cool man he's like yeah man i was drunk i typed in something stupid and it popped up as your shop your shop because of something you wrote in the tags and i was like really he's like yeah Yeah. i just typed the wrong word and it popped up and i was like interesting if it it works i think the key is to uh get niche as possible on etsy because broad is is not a good strategy to play i think on etsy you're gonna get lost on in in the sea so that's what i've been doing i like nice of course, I get takedowns. Like, who doesn't? Because everyone, if you see something good, you're like, ah. Yep. <laughs> Mine parodies into it. So, like, I know the ins and outs of the 
quote unquote loopholes around designing. Yeah. But like I can get away with it. And mm-hmm. so it does save my ass. Like I never do anything flat out. Like so like Pokemon. Like I'm not drawing the actual Pokemon like from the show. Like mm-hmm. I'm putting my own spin on it. So it yeah. kind of helps in that regards. Like I talked to like all the big names. So I've had like Pokemon Company mm-hmm. hit me with a season desist. Tohei Animation loved me. They love me so much that I have no DBZ stuff in my shop right now. Wow. Because they love me. But then I also know that anytime (laughs) they take my stuff down, that they're working on something huge in the background. Mm -hmm. That's when they start flagging everything. So newsflash, if anyone's looking for any Dragon Ball Z stuff, there's some new stuff on the horizon. That's very true. I always told myself, and I think I've said this on the podcast, so I'm sorry if I say this again, but I always found that getting a cease and desist would be, uh, I would think of it as a form of success. Like I did something to kind of upset someone in a high position to be like, hey, I don't like that. Stop it. My greatest phrase ever. You get a cease and desist. It's like the ultimate foreplay. <laughs> it's, it's genuinely like, it makes you feel real good, man. Like you're like, yeah, what's up? Big wigs know me. Yeah. And then you're like, that letter. Oh, yeah. Oh, so I have one of my buddies. He's a toy designer. He's Vandal. Go check him out. He's a real cool guy. And he did a Nike box like for packaging. And Nike hit him with cease and desist. So he goes, interesting. Cool. He wrapped the whole, he did like a product line where he designed his toy hoodie guy. And he wrapped it in the cease and desist as like uh, tissue paper. And he put it in every single one of the toys that he sold. Oh, that's great. And he just went at it. He was like, this is perfect. Just blasted on everything. And he enjoyed it. And he got so much success for it. I was like, smart move. I love that. So it's new, new pin backers now. So if I get a cease and desist, might have to start doing it. Yo, I love that. Just run with it. Oh, yeah. Fuck it. Fuck it. There Controversy sells. You are right. That's how we get, I don't know, who's it? Nicki Minaj singing about wet stuff. Controversy. Oh, yeah. Well. I was gonna say, you go with Kanye. Bad publicity is good publicity. It's no such thing as bad publicity. Yeah. Anyway, let's say you had a hundred dollars to spend on a marketing budget. How would you spend it? Can't use it on food. Can't use it on food. Fuck. (laughs) Unless you're buying your customers some food. Shit. Are they buying? Only if they buy my pens, then yeah, why not? Oh, there you go. There's the marketing strategy. Boom. Marketing. (laughs) Nah, I think. I would probably do it probably through Etsy. I would try to do that because I feel like that's the most organic ad revenue. Mm-hmm. Like more bang for your buck. Yeah. Because like Instagram's not worth it. Facebook, no. It's like that's the only means I think I would do it. All right, cool. So moving on, before we started this call, we started talking about PowCon and how you attended PowCon. And for anyone unfamiliar, it is a, and correct me if I'm wrong, it is a toy con, toy, video game, pop culture. Yeah, pop culture conventions. Pop culture convention. There you go. Right here in New Jersey. And Andrew attended it. So why don't you tell me a little bit about your experience there? So yeah, so I did PAL last year in Brooklyn. It was in the Brooklyn Expo Center and it was literally the last convention before the pandemic. So it was like surreal that that was the last one. Mm-hmm. And then to come back into a convention center. Well, I did patches and pins. So I guess that wasn't 
that would the pal would be my second convention back into the real world. So it was good to see that everyone was still welcoming. They really missed conventions and it felt like the world was getting back to normal in the terms of like everyone cosplaying, everyone coming to see like their favorite artist. I had a couple of people that came out just to see me, which was pretty cool. That's very cool. Yeah. And so I took, so I did it last year. So I was like, let me try it again. I'm going to go to Jersey, you know, so where they had it, it was in Wayne, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know when this is going to air, but this was while we're taping this, it was the week before. So yes. Uh, Memorial day weekend. Yep. Literally Memorial day weekend. And it poured. <laughs> oh, yes. It was, it was fun trekking through that, but in the end it was worth it because I got to see some old friends that I haven't seen all year because of the pandemic. I met some new artists, uh, just new contacts. It was it was pretty cool. It was very chill, wasn't overwhelming, so that people could like truly enjoy a convention coming back into this. Were there any other uh, folks out there selling pins? Um, so I have a couple buddies that were out there. So MZR Creations, he makes a uh, evil ghosty. So he mm-hmm. makes these little little ghost guys that have like coffee or a watermelon. They're pretty cool. I got, he was there and another one who's a big toy artist is Red Guardian. Red Guardian, he's from New York as well. He was out there, but I think that was the major players for pins. And of course, my buddy Coffin Couture, he was selling his horror pins, which is pretty cool too. And he was vending with me. Yes, I think I've crossed paths with that dude before. I think uh, the, the Triton Punk Rock Flea Market. Yep, that, I think. He's yeah. out in Jersey, so you definitely saw him somewhere there. Yes, for sure. That's pretty cool. Uh, so you were just one of a handful of people out there slinging pins. Yeah, it was mostly uh, comic book artists, uh, Funko pop sellers, and a couple toy designers. So, But like in the pins, it was probably like three of us. Okay. Which is pretty cool. Would you do it again? What? Pal? Yeah, why not? I'm good friends with the guy who runs it. I don't have any ill will towards him. And if I can make any money, sure, why not? Okay. Yeah, I'm just, you know, thinking about it in terms of a, a, a pin maker perspective and like a business. Like, If you're starting out, try it because it's not going to overwhelm you like the big names are. So like, it, mm-hmm. like if your first event is like New York Comic Con, you're going to be overwhelmed. But like you can, it'll start to bring you into the world of conventions and you can sort of dip your toes in and figure it out. So I would say it's a good opportunity for anyone new to do it. What's your favorite part about going to these shows and vending at them? It's a toss-up. It's either between seeing old friends that I don't see, that I only see at conventions, or just meeting new like customers. Like just having the, the genuine experience, conversing with them, like just talking, shooting shit with them. Like I'm not there. Like when I go there, I'm not like pushing any sales on you. I'll tell you what the sales are, and I'm just I'm just there to talk. Yeah, as you can tell from this podcast, I don't shut up. <laughs> we could keep going. My God, don't don't tempt <laughs> me, man. <laughs> For anyone looking to vend at shows, what do you think are like one or two must-haves at your table? In terms of your sanity, or just like overall product. Overall product, but I like sanity too. Well, the sanity you do, you need a very comfortable chair. That's number one, because you do not realize 
when you're standing on your feet all day, you want to be able to sit and kind of relax for the maybe three minutes that you're able to sit down. Nice. So that is number one. <laughs> number two, insanity. Make sure you have lots of snacks and lots of beverages. Yes. I don't, I usually have trail mix and a huge jug of water with me. And then I'll bring some other snacks if I like need like a pick me up. That's literally what I bring too. Oh yeah. But uh, in terms of product, build your setup at home. Like figure out how you want it to look mm-hmm. and finalize it there. Like I've gone through five different setups and it's just me just trying to like evolve it, trying to see what's easier. And it's not like I can give you the, like the dry cut, what you need. You just right. you need your product to look good and be able to present itself, but also tailor it towards the style you want. So like what I'm doing now is I started out with corkboard on an easel. That was literally it. That's a, us too. Yeah, see? So, but that's how you start. You're just like, you're trying to figure it out. What do you want to do? What do you have now? So now it went from corkboards to foam board with a print on it. And then I was putting my pins through the foam board. But then I was like, oh, I got to change this out every single time. I want something that I can stay, that I don't need to switch out. And now I use a grid, you know, like the grids that you use for, in a dormitory for like your clothes. Mm-hmm. So I do that. And I took the backers of all my pins off and I made them into magnets. Smart. My grid is super easy to set up. All I need to do is build it. And I have a, a print that goes over the grid itself mm-hmm. so that it's branded. And then my pins are attached by magnets. I'll show you. I'll show you a quick shot of it. Hold on. Oh wow! I think I may have seen it, but if you can pull it up. So literally, that's on the grid. So it's literally magnets now. And so it's easy because if I want to switch it out, there's no mark on the pin from the pinhole, and now I can switch out a new pin if they sell out, and then to attach it super easy that is awesome and then i can conform the the grid into however setup i want so like if i have a large amount of inventory i can set the grid up to fit all my inventory into like boxes now yeah that's pretty cool okay okay i see what you're doing out there i think you just gave me a new idea for when i go back to patches and pins i can't take all the credit so it was me and one of my buddies uh enrique his handle is urge yourself so we were at Patches and Pins and he saw, I have a, like a retractable sign that stands up. Okay. He's like, yo, I had a brilliant idea. What if we could just like, so like we need breakdowns real quick. If we could figure out how to make the pins into magnets and you get the little mini retractable stands and do it that way. And I was like, I've been trying to do that for years and thank you for giving me the brilliant idea. Cause now we both know what to do. So he's doing it the small way. And I was like, I want to do it with the grid because I have them mm-hmm. and I didn't want to poke holes in it. So I was like, what can I do with it? And I was like, I'm doing magnets. So I did that, designed that, that paper, it's photo print paper, printed it out and just attached it with magnets and then attached the pins to them. How about that? So, yeah. So if you want the originator, it's urge yourself. <laughs> Shout out to him. That's my boy. But also I get credit too, because we both came up with it. Hey, it sounds like uh, a pretty fun, like, do-it-yourself project on, like, a, a Sunday afternoon or something like that. But it seems really useful coming from someone who has 
one of those square grids with hooks, and then you would have to put your pins inside plastic baggies, which have a hanging hole. Yep. And, and then, like, that is just the pain in the butt, and it's a lot of weight. So when you're coming from uh, an hour outside of New York City into New York via bus, oh, like, yeah. you're lugging a lot of stuff. So that's why I'm like, this is cool. So I have a giant uh, moving tub right now, mm-hmm. which is good right now, but that's not what's going to happen. So because I can build it into the grid and the grid is set up, I can sit it into, like a, like, a large suitcase, like a roller. And it fits perfectly in there. And then nice. I put my inventory into smaller compartments and then put it into another bag. And then I have it all set up. So that way, when I start traveling by plane, it'll be much easier to travel with all this. Much easier. Uh, I get anxiety thinking about trying to attend like one of the shows out in California and figuring out how to do that. That was, that was me for like three months trying to figure this out. And I still don't know how. So we're at the last part of the podcast we've been running long but this has been some pretty great conversation if i do say so myself i feel like i'm learning a lot so i hope anyone out there who's listening also feels the same yeah that if they want me to shut up who knows oh boy don't say that they can i won't hear it though (laughs) this is true so i'm just going to ask you questions um just kind of you know give me the answers that come off the top of your head and uh we'll just kind of keep it moving what is your most favorite release Probably the hand of the kingdom. Why is that? Because it was an idea that I could jump off of playful gorillas and make it better. So it's like <laughs> kind of like an ego boost. <laughs> I think that would be it. And it was, and it combined the two of my favorite franchises. So it was Game of Thrones and Kingdom Hearts. Can't beat that. Okay. Well, there you go. I can attest for the same in my own world. Do you prefer soft enamel pins or hard enamel pins? So I've only done soft enamel pins. I've never tried hard enamel. I want to try it, but I'm still trying to figure out the logistics, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because I've done soft enamel the whole entire time. So maybe soon. What's your favorite part about soft enamel pins? I like the tag. Like the, it feels 3D. So it's not flat. There's no epoxy on it. Mm-hmm. So you can feel the texture of it. it just, I don't know. I, because what it is is with the color, it makes the color 3D in a sense. So it gives it even more depth, and I feel like that adds to a lot of my pins. It's that depth, that that pin depth of field, if if you will, blend camera terminology into there. That sounds good. (laughs) Let's coin that. Let's come up with a pin encyclopedia or something like that. (laughs) Do you gravitate more towards gold pins or silver pins? So I'm neither. Oh. I, I prefer black. Like I prefer painted dyed because most of my designs are outlined. So I feel like I do it that way. There are a couple of pins that I prefer gold over silver. So like that pin that I removed was a, it's a Pokemon championship pin and it had to be gold. So I was like, Oh, it's gotta be gold. Yeah. My, uh, the New York Canto, the old world Canto was silver because the old nineties Nick pin was silver. So it was in reference to that. That's awesome. And I don't I should have mentioned this when you first brought up that pin, but I'm a big basketball fan. I have a couple of basketball pins in my shop. I'll just put it out on the record. Go Nets. Yeah, no worries. Okay. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Oh no. <laughs> I'm a so I'm not a huge basketball fan now, but I was a huge nineties Knicks fan. Yeah. They were a team to watch, I'll tell you. Marbury, like that was my group. And then once they all left, I was like, I'm not into basketball then. It's mostly baseball. Baseball and football. Okay, nice. 
Rubber backings or metal backings? Which do you prefer? So, to, to have, on my position, I prefer locking backers because I throw my bag everywhere and these things do not fall off. But in the terms of I can further push the brand, I like rubber backers because they're colored and I can match them to the pin. So it's just like an added touch. Oh, that's nice. Do you just uh, just get them made different colors? Because I've seen manufacturers will do different designs. Like I've seen heart-shaped rubber backings or yeah. pixelated stuff. No, it's I tend, tend to go for the regular ones. Unless it fits the design, then I'll do it. But I haven't on any of my designs. Okay. That's pretty cool. What is your favorite hashtag to use on Instagram? Like pinned hashtag. Uh, I like to be creative with them. Like I get stupid. Like I'll do the really long, like 36 letter one. <laughs> it's just pins. Just throw pins or bird brains. I always throw bird brains on the hashtag on any of my posts just so it stays relevant. For sure. Yeah, you definitely want to. It's, it's nice to look at your own hashtag and just see that number kind of grow little by little. Pretty much. That's all it is. Eco boost. Kind of, yeah. You know, sometimes stuff, I, I miss stuff. People will actually use the hashtag warrior pins, um, but they won't tag me. So I won't see it all the time. So every now and then I will check the feed and uh, it's like, oh, this is a nice little surprise. I should, I should do that. You would think I would pay attention to that. <laughs> Are you uh, hashtag pin game strong or hashtag pin game proper? Neither. <laughs> I've never used either of them. <laughs> But I, I guess if I have to, I'd say pin game strong. Uh, I love that. Just putting people on the spot with that because it's kind of a silly question. No, I've never, like, I've never, I, I've seen it. And I'm just like, oh, you guys look like idiots. <laughs> but to, do you, boo boo? I don't know. Are you? Uh, would you consider yourself a pin addict or pin collector? Pin addict design. Oh, okay. Pin like I want to design a lot. Like I don't have a lot that I collect. Unless it's like something I can't live without. So like my, I only have one pin board and half of it's my stuff. And it's like, I maybe have 20 pins from like other artists, but I'm slowly doing that. Like I do a lot of trades, with a lot of uh, artists. If I like the pin, it's gotta be something I like. I just don't do it. Hey, you want to trade? Okay. Whatever. <laughs> it's gotta be something I'm interested in. I'm the same way at, at this point in the beginning. It's really cool. You're just like, okay, well, cool. We're trading pins. But I think through the years, you just kind of get, like, requests from from anyone just kind of looking for, for pins. Yeah. And sometimes it's like, I appreciate it, but I'm not really into kind of... Yeah, I've told... I've done, you try to do it in the nicest way possible. Be like, yeah, yeah. Fuck you. I don't like your shit. Stupid. <laughs> Where's uh, your favorite place to wear a pin? My book bag. Your book bag? How many... What, what's your book bag looking like? It's a, it's a small camelback. Okay. So it's like... It's a small little tiny bag that I can bring anywhere with me. It fits a lot of stuff if I need something for a day trip. And then the whole front of it is just covered with my pins because you know, I want to sell my pins. So people are like, oh, where'd you get that? They're like, oh, let me show you. And I show them my website. Hey, when I do that, I usually just take the pin off because like what's what's the cost for us makers to actually like, you know, if someone's like really interested. I've run into a couple kids at the YMCA who thought they were really cool. So I'm just like here you go. And then like, I told the parents, I'm like, yeah, just let them have the pin. No, yeah, no, I've done that before. Like I've sold them. People are like, yo, can I buy that pin? I'm like, yeah, fuck it, whatever. Just take it right off my bag, put it there. Yeah. Swap it for a new one when I get home. Yeah, exactly. Also, a lot of the times I'll probably be out, you know, this happens more so when I'm in the city 
and I've had like a couple drinks or whatever, and someone says something like, "Here you go, make sure you follow warrior pins." Blah, blah, blah. I always do that. Yeah, I mean, what that, that's a great like business card, especially you have your your logo uh, embossed or um, lasered on into the back. There you go. So that's a pretty unique situation to get a pin. And then they're probably going to tell that story to whoever might be interested. And, and there you go. There's your word of mouth, if they remember. <laughs> <laughs> I got to ask because I'm a big Ninja Turtle fan and my background kind of changes, but I try and keep turtle stuff in there. Who's your favorite Ninja Turtle? Come on. Come on. Come on. Okay. Okay. Let me see. You strike me. Well, you know, the people that I'm meeting on this podcast, I feel like I could see all the turtles in them. I kind of see the uh, the cool but rude Raph in you. I kind of see the Michelangelo party. Dude, you like to have a good time. Um, we're getting down to the nitty gritty with marketing and strategies, even though sometimes there might not be a strategy. You're pretty, uh, you're, you're thinking with intent. So there's Donnie and... Leonardo for leading the charge, taking one business, turning it into another, working with others and working by yourself and getting stuff done. Bada bing, bada boom. So you're correct. It's literally like it's all four, but it's those reasons why I like them. Like Damn. Leonardo is the, the leader guy, always gravitated towards him. Raphael was like always a smart ass piece of shit. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. I gravitated to him instantly. Michelangelo loves pizza. I love pizza. Come on. Who doesn't? But it was more like the playfulness. He was just always like chill, relaxed. And then Donatello because, you know, he wears purple and my favorite color is purple. Yeah, nice. Dude, I think I'm going to start doing this in every podcast now. At the end, after I get like a feel and picking up a vibe, I'm like, all right, I'm going to guess which Ninja Turtle you are. You're like the Instagram filter where it's like, guess what celebrity you look like. You should do that. <laughs> guess what Ninja Turtle you think they are. Oh, man, that's really funny. Uh, you're giving me ideas, man. I'm, I'm just... All I do is just generate ideas all day. I have two massive whiteboards downstairs, and it's just like every couple of days, writing, taking a picture, erasing, adding more, or like formatting it, and just I'm all over the place. I should do that because all I do is I, I have tabs in my phone on messages, and I throw my messages on a draft, and then they get buried under all the text messages that I had that I don't remember until I scroll down. I'm like, oh shit. Or something opens up that opens that draft. And I'm like, I should really write this somewhere. So I should get a whiteboard. and just Yeah. Whiteboards just work for me. Cause I, I like, I like actually physically writing stuff. I like seeing it. I like the, uh, the, the, the freedom to just kind of erase and then organize my thoughts and my collections. You know, like one day the, the whiteboard can just be full of all these things I need to do for the podcast. And then uh, a week later, it's completely filled up with like the next pin releases and stuff like that. See, that's good. Yeah. My dream office is to be surrounded by glass walls so I can use like white uh, erase markers. Well, okay. Maybe uh, with some privacy feature or something like that. Frosted tips or frosted glass. Yeah, fancy. I better be working in this office with you, man. Oh yeah, absolutely. We'll we'll start like a WeWork whiteboard spinoff. Yeah, they've never done WeWork before. We'll bring it to the we'll bring it to the news. <laughs> I love it. A couple more questions for you. Sure. What has been the proudest accomplishment with Bird Brains? Like I, so I've been a designer my whole life, and I've done my background is branding, and so not that many people know like what my personal life is like. My background is branding, creative direction, typography. So I feel like Bird Brains in itself was just an embodiment of that. It's just like I took something that was a concept 
Mm-hmm. I brought it to life and I made it productive. So I guess that, and that it, the fact that it's not, I'm working for someone, it's my stuff. So like I have all the control on it. That's cool. I like that. A lot of people just kind of, oh, I made this amount of money or sold this amount of pins, actually turning the idea into something tangible itself. It's like a child you want to give away. <laughs> no? No? My bad. Sorry, guys. For those who don't know, I'm not a parent. And I wonder why. I love it. How do you think Bird Brain stands out from all the other pin shops in the world? What do you, what do you think makes your shop unique? Smart-ass responses half the time. I feel like, <laughs> like, I don't give a shit. Like, you can shoot, like, you can literally talk to me and I'm like a normal person, like in a convention, mm-hmm. not pushing anything. Like, if you want to talk, I'll talk with you as long as you don't, like, take away from sales, obviously. But, like, I'm a down-to-earth guy. Mm-hmm. I, I relate with people. I feel like that works. And then, just my all around being no style and I can branch out to anything. It's like, I can hit all the targets that I want without fear of ruining the brand at all. Mm-hmm. I like that. You're real. You're genuine. And like, I can now say that after talking with you for about over an hour. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> it goes by so fast. Yeah. <laughs> and that brings us to our last question. I typically end the podcast by asking everyone this, Andrew, what are the little things in life for you? Well, I'm 6'4", so everyone is little compared to me. <laughs> the most literal answer. I love it. Most little. But uh, gen- being genuine. Like I was telling you before, like I don't, I don't create just to make money. It's, it's got to be something I like. You can tell. Like I'm very genuine, very open. I don't hold back. I don't, I don't fear myself for being like, not censored, but, but in a way like, put down for just being outspoken, I guess, mm-hmm. like outspoken in the way that like a positive way, embracing who you are and just going a hundred with it. Don't, don't hold back. I love it. Don't hold back. It's like a rom-com right now. <laughs> I mean, kind of cheesy, but sometimes we need to hear it. I like cheese. Cheese is great. Cheese is delicious. Smoked Gouda. I look like a piece of cheese right now. Looking like a snack. Hey, okay, get out of here, bird. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Andrew, you made it to the end of the Pin Pals podcast. How do you feel? Excited, I guess. That and hungry. Yes. Because I have not eaten dinner. I've actually had to go to the bathroom since the beginning of this podcast. No lie. I wanted to see if I could... For whatever dumb reason, because I'm going to win something by holding it in this entire podcast. I'm, I'm wondering if anyone, you know, if anyone's listening, do I look agitated or do I sound agitated? Because uh, I think from minute 10, I think I've had to go. You could have been like me and just pissed right on the floor. <laughs> I, did, I did a mid podcast, bro. No, wow. no, well, another thing we're going to have to offline about, I got to figure out your tactic. Uh, e downward. Always down. <laughs> I want to give you the floor. Uh, If you have anyone to give shout outs to any of your friends, tell the listeners what you have going on and where they can follow you. I'm going to pass the mic on to you. Uh, Thank you first and foremost for having this wonderful platform. Like it's pretty cool that it gives you the celebrity status without being a celebrity, if that makes sense. Like it's (laughs) it's another platform where I could be genuine and it's good that someone else is genuine while they're talking. It's not like, 
you work for someone, you're literally working for yourself. So thank you first for that. Make sure everyone follows you, but they are because they're watching this podcast. So I hope so. But <laughs> if you do want to follow me, I'm on Instagram. It's birdbrains, NYC, spelled out just like that. You can find me on Etsy, the same thing, birdbrains, NYC. If you type, if I say the URL, it's just stupid. Just type it in the search. I'll, I should pop up, I hope. You can't miss it. It's literally a bird in the shape of a brain. I'd like to thank God. <laughs> the, the guy at the hot dog stand that put extra mustard and onions. Nah, that, I feel like anyone that I've given shout outs to, they already know. I don't need to boost their egos anymore. They're, they're following. I want to boost mine. <laughs> do you have any shows coming up? Maybe people can catch you somewhere. So I'm trying to do... Well, I don't know when this debuts, but I'm trying to be for the Santa Ana trip for Patches and Pins, June 26th. Doubt I'm going to make it because the way uh, flight prices are right now, they're through the roof. So probably scratching that. Yeah. So I think the next show would probably be the pins, and, Patches and Pins in New York, September mm-hmm. 11th. That is a guarantee I'm going to be there. Do love that, that environment because it's literally Patches and Pins. But, but yeah, I'll be there. But if you don't are not able to make it out there, you're more than welcome to hit me up on Instagram. I usually answer all my messages when I answer them. I'm not sure, but yeah, I always, I'll always answer. So you can always hit me up there and always visit my shop too. I love it. Bird brains, NYC, Andrew, I'm sure we'll cross paths in the future, probably at that patches and pin show in September. Oh Yeah. Come and give you a big old hug. Bring it in, brother. We can do that now. Anyways, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. This is a quite a lengthy podcast. So if you made it to the end, thank you, thank you, thank you. Andrew, we'll be in touch very soon. Thanks again. Peace. Peace.